0: Hello, my name is Miguel Neves, and I am the editor-in-chief of EventMB, and I'd like to welcome you to this episode of the Event Manager podcast. We are joined by Elliot Ferguson, the president and CEO of Destination DC, and we're talking about why diversity in the event industry really matters. We talk about the evolving role of destination marketing organizations. We talk about how planners are now assessing destination in terms of sustainability, as well as diversity and inclusion. We talk about the state of diversity, equity, and inclusion, DI, in the event industry. We talk about how we can help make the event industry a more diverse and inclusive place. And we also talk about the best ways to inspire young professionals to be part of this amazing industry. I hope you enjoy this episode of the Effect Manager podcast, and don't forget to uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and maybe even leave a review. Thank you very much. And now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. So Hello, everyone. Uh, Welcome to uh, this episode of the Event Manager Podcast. I am joined by Elliot Ferguson, the President and CEO of Destination DC. Elliot, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast.
1: Miguel, thanks for having me.
0: Um, For those of you, for those of anybody out there who doesn't know who you are, could you give us a little intro about your role and maybe kind of how you got there in a succinct way?
1: Sure. Uh, I'll spend the next 60 minutes talking about myself. Uh, No, no. Well, um, I, um, you know, again, I work for Destination D.C., which is a destination management organization for Washington. We do represent Maryland and Virginia, but it's mostly D.C. first. I've been in the industry for 30 years and I've been with Destination D.C. for 20 years and been CEO for about 12 of those years really focusing on all things tied to economic development uh, through tourism, hospitality, and conventions and meetings.
0: Fantastic. And what was your role before that, if you don't mind me asking that? The the 10 years previous, what was your path? You know, I spent 10 years
1: uh, with the Atlanta Convention and Visitors Bureau, starting off in uh, citywide convention sales, leaving as vice president. And I really need to start, uh, it's actually now 32 years, because I spent two years in Savannah, with the Convention and Visitors Bureau there um, in sales, um, a small town in Georgia uh, that that has a really amazing story to tell and, and, and um, a great destination.
0: Great. So you're definitely an expert when it comes to to DMOs and, and all that side of the business. So so I really wanted to start there. I think uh, you know. The pandemic is something we can't avoid and i don't want to make this whole episode about the pandemic but um i'm really interested in your view about how the pandemic has maybe changed the role of dmos or maybe it hasn't but i know that you know you've, you've told me before that if i ask you one thing one week during the pandemic it might be different from the next week um and how does that really affected how you do business and how you really market a destination
1: well uh what i said before still stays the same in terms of um, the changing dynamics of, of our world, and, and um, of course, the pandemic and how it affects our ability to do our jobs. I think uh, the reality is, um, as the, the, the thing that there's nothing good about the pandemic. Let me start off by saying that. However, as we look at destinations globally now more than ever, cities, states recognize the importance of destination management organizations representing. Uh, their destinations in a variety of ways and and I think that no matter how uh, great a DMO is there's always going to be someone within that city that says hey we don't want visitors or why do we need to promote ourselves because our destinations are great and people just aren't acting to come here so I think the level of understanding as to the role of a DMO has changed I think as we look at doing our jobs, um, it's become equally as much to share uh, information about how we're going to keep people safe. You know, what's the protocol in terms of um, individuals coming for leisure travel, for business travel, since we're still dealing with variants that continue to still come and, and affect our the way in which we do business. You know, we we're saying to our stakeholders, absolutely tell anyone that's interested in, in your hotel how great your suite is, but equally as much make sure they have a better understanding of the protocol tied to safety from your staff uh, and, 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 of course, the cleaning standards for those rooms, which is really going to resonate now probably more than, you know, pre the pandemic. Mm-hmm.
2: Do you find that it's falling more on DMOs like yourself to kind of navigate um, the, the sort of deal-breaking sales conversations, whereas it might have previously been more around venues or you know, the discussions around particular properties?
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, Are you more
2: gatekeeping it, I guess, is the question?
1: You know, I I would say that we, in our, in our minds, we've always been in that role. I mean, you know, we're selling the destination, not necessarily a particular hotel. Um, And, uh, and that still remains the case. You know, when DC was closed during the spring, um, you know, there were a lot of questions that were um, centered, that were positioned to us in terms of why is DC, still closed, where in other parts of the U.S. were opening. And, um, you know, so that's that's always been somewhat the case. I think, again, now, not only is the city using us in a, in a to a certain extent to disseminate information about D.C., safety protocol, uh, et cetera, et cetera, but the expectation from visitors, from groups that are coming to the city, is that you know, let's reach out to the DMO. Let's go to their website and find out what's the latest. And it's our responsibility to share with them um, what that protocol is and/or what those standards are before
2: they physically come to the city. How do you navigate those conversations as a DMO? I mean, I assume that you know there are people who are who are fixed on doing their on some events in DC um, events that rely on DC's intellectual capital. Meanwhile they're frustrated by the fact that, you know, you might have stricter regulations than in other areas. Do you just try to defer that business down the line or how does that, how does that work? You know, being brutally honest with I mean, I, I the, the, the reality is right
1: now the criteria for coming into DC meeting in DC is similar to a lot of the places uh, everywhere nationwide in the U S as well as in other global destinations, wear a mask, there is a mask mandate. Um, the criteria for vaccinations, um, that continues to change, whereas, you know, now there are certain restaurants in D.C. that require proof of vaccination. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we all know that cities like New York and San Francisco um, require vaccination, a proof of vaccination as you're vacillating um, through the city for retail and other components of being in that destination. And that's probably going to resonate As cities like Washington and and really global cities continue to focus on um, not only the current um, variant that's out there, but others, as well as the fact that we're still focusing on people taking the vaccination, getting vaccinated. So that's the other thing we're doing more of. If you go to Washington.org, you'll see information about where you can get vaccinated in DC or a link to show you where you can get vaccinated by putting in your zip code, um, as to wherever you are in the United States, uh, because we want to make sure that people are, are, are are taking that seriously. And and we want to do the best we possibly can.
0: That's fascinating. Um, wanted to touch on a little bit, the, the the planner side, you know, are you seeing a different sort of profile for planners now? I was speaking with Greg Oates. I think you, you know, well, as well recently saying he's saying that, um, planners are now really asking for things like sustainability and DEI. Are you seeing that? Is there, is there a difference in the people that are coming to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think sustainability has been a topic for at least the last five years. Uh, I think um, you know, people have asked, it, it depends on the group, you know, different people would ask questions about DEI, especially those that represent a more diverse uh, a, a portion of the population. But now, I think, especially since last year in America and globally, that has become a priority. You know, are you making diversity, equity, and inclusion a priority? Are you also focusing on the needs of those with with handicaps and and or that are physically challenged? Um, So that has been something that we focused on as an organization. But even with what's happened as of recent months, we've even elevated what we've done in the past simply because we want to talk about the successes in which we've had as an organization as we look at promoting our our destination and our members. So it it has become something that is a a deal breaker in some cases, especially with meeting planners.
0: So you're actually seeing people make decisions based on these kind of things rather than, I guess, price or or kind of more logistics-based things?
1: Yeah, the the boards of, of directors for any organization and usually the nonprofits that report to a board of directors, they're more sensitive to issues that, um, that impact their, their members, you know, be it, um, you know, I remember years and years ago in Arizona when they were the last state to pass the Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, junior holiday, um, you know, there were, there were folks that, that responded in kind and said we weren't, we weren't going to Arizona. So as groups are looking at destinations, By all means, you know, costs remain a big concern of theirs, but also what are the other dynamics of that community that are linked to their membership? And or, you know, as we're asking organizations or challenging organizations to explore how diverse they are, um, they're now in turn asking the same questions of destinations and rightfully so.
0: Interesting. And what about in, in the event industry or in the, you know, the wider hospitality industry? I, I know you're uh, the, you know, one of the few professionals, Black professionals in, in kind of leadership roles, uh, you know, and also you're the chairman of the Board for Tourism Diversity Matters, I believe. Um, have you seen things change and, and is is it improving? Can you, can you see some tangible improvements in that sense? You know,
1: Miguel, I think the key thing is that people are, being more mindful of what they know and equally as much what they don't know. Sadly, what they don't know outweighs what they know. And um, we're challenging them to, to, um, to understand some of the deficiencies that exist in their industry and in their boards um, in their staffing, um, how they market their destinations um, simply because if, if you really want to be a part of the, the, the current way in which destinations promote themselves, you've got to really pay attention to things that perhaps you haven't before. And I, and I think the key thing with this conversation, tourism diversity matters, Black Lives Matter, is to recognize the fact that this is not just something that the Black community in Washington, DC or the United States is focusing on. These are American issues, and it's more than, you know, so it's not just about the, the Black community. But as we talk about Black Lives Matter, it's such a different and unique conversation than DEI simply because of the history that America has with the Black community here. So yeah, we're we're seeing organizations ask more questions, they're being more purposeful. The purpose of Tourism Diversity Matters is to help those organizations that mean well or think they are on the right track or perhaps not even aware of the fact that they're not paying attention to what's happening with the reckoning tied to this particular subject and make sure that they make this a priority because they're going to lose out in the long run if they don't.
2: I think that's really interesting. Can you can you maybe elaborate on some of the, like in practical terms, what are some of the biggest opportunities for these organizations to make like material changes? Like how could they put into practice some of the advice that, that would be conferred?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it starts with your staff and looking at the dynamics of the team that you have hired, if you don't see the diversity there, it's a problem. If your team is, if you have, you know, you, you referenced in the beginning that I'm one of really nine CEOs that run destination management organizations in the U.S. and they're well over 700 in the U.S. You know, that's a problem. And um, but not only is it a problem from the standpoint that we are truly a minority, but it's also from the standpoint of the opportunity to move up within the industry which exists. So it's really more of an opportunity for us to educate and elevate their sense of awareness. You know, people are not interested or perhaps they, sh- they show less interest on things that are not specifically affecting them. Um, what they're not realizing is that not focusing on diversity, not having an understanding as to what needs to happen within your organization be it the LGBTQ community, the Native American, the Asian community, what's been happening within the Asian community um, in the last uh, 18 months in the United States, how are you addressing this with your team? How does your board of directors look as we talk about diversity? If it's not a diverse board, um, then it's there's probably not gonna be a diverse level of ideas coming from that board of directors. How does your marketing look? Who's affecting, who's, who's impacting how you market your product or your destination. Because what's happening is that if you don't have that diversity, you know, I I always focus on the 60s where there were tons of men in advertising roles making decisions as to products for women. And, you know, how short-sighted was it for a bunch of men to sit around and talk about these products and and put out these ads? And arguably for the time, it was successful because women had no option. But today, if you're that short-sighted, then you're going to lose out in the long run. And if you don't have that diversity at the table assisting you and paying it and, and looking at your marketing, looking at your advertising, looking at your team as a whole, then arguably you're not going to be as successful. And, and the last thing is there has been, you know, data has proven and studies that show that diverse organizations are more effective, they're more profitable, the employees are happier. So our job and our role is to educate and to elevate their sense of why this is important, because uh, otherwise people will think that we're not talking about them, which is usually the case,
2: and that's the problem. Yeah, I think that's really good advice.
0: I wonder if you could say something about what events can do, everybody organizing an event and particularly bringing in events to a place like DC. Um, is there something that, you know, are there messages that can help are, they, are there ways that they can educate people through events that, that can really help this and a more kind of wider perspective?
1: Well, I, I think that, you know, and you, you mentioned DC, you know, DC is a diverse town. Uh, it was for a long time, largely, uh, large uh, uh, black population more than any other that it's more diverse today but even as you look at the black population here they're not we're not all um black people from america we're black people that have that that have migrated from all over the world that live in dc which represents diversity within itself so we're going to share and showcase dc through that perspective to groups that are looking at coming into the city we're going to share with them, you know, one of the biggest misnomers um, that, that's tied to a population visiting is that when the Chinese visit Washington, they wanna to go to Chinese restaurants. And I guarantee you, although they probably wanna see how the Chinese community is represented in Washington DC, it's not top of mind to eat Chinese food while they're in America. It's top of mind to have the American experience. You know, do, are groups thinking along those lines Um, are our members thinking along those lines as we go about promoting our destination. So we, we advocate and help groups to understand um, what we have to offer as a destination. And also to understand, you know, especially with the international community coming for conventions, their interest in the, in the African-American museum of history and culture, which is the, the latest Smithsonian is not tied to the color of their skin per se. It's, you know, because in America, they think that these things are built for the black community versus recognizing that they're built to educate everyone. I'm not saying all of America is like that, but that's more a common thread than anything else. Whereas international communities come in because they want to learn more about the African-American experience or the Holocaust or other things and how we position those, those, those unfortunate things that have happened in history um, through our culture and through our museums. So it's our goal to educate those that are looking at bringing events to the city as to how to successfully have events and, 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 and do meetings in Washington.
0: And I imagine that is something that uh, comes through in, in the marketing that you do and the actions that you do. Is, is DEI always top of mind in, in those actions that you take? Well,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, it's funny you should ask that, you know, at the end of or early in twenty twenty. We have a, you know, we have an amazing campaign that represents the diversity of Washington DC. And there was, you know, everyone's on lockdown. Everyone's got plenty of time. And there was a Washingtonian that lives in Texas that looked at an ad that that showed a Latino, a um, Asian woman and a white woman. And it talked about experience the real DC. But what they did not see is the entire series of the ads that also represented other cultural groups, and so that created a chat that, because everybody's at home, uh, went you know it just it, it spiraled into this this big conversation about how we're not doing enough to 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 promote DC's diversity. And then of course when we showed them the whole uh, spectrum of the advertising campaign, they said, "Okay, I get it now." I'm, you know, "Oops, we jumped the gun." So you know, as we and it didn't mean that we just we dismissed that person's sense of understanding of what we're trying to do. It was an opportunity for us to educate them, but also an opportunity for us to say, okay, well, what can we do differently? And in some cases there's nothing we can do differently because we're not, you know, we are promoting all aspects of this destination. And this happens to be a very uh, international destination and we're proud of that. it's, it's not about diluting the fact that for a long time, and even today, D.C. has been known as Chocolate City because of the large black population. here.
0: Very interesting. I, I wanted to change the conversation a little bit and kind of start wrapping up. Um, I want to talk about young leaders and how do we get young leaders to kind of get involved in the industry. We've, you know, the industry has suffered quite a bit of brain drain in the last the last 18 months or so. Uh, a lot of people have, sadly have left the industry. So I think it's really important that we start to get fresh blood in the industry and get people excited about the industry again. Uh, do you have any advice on what we could do as an industry and, and in our own kind of roles? You know, I, I think,
1: and I, I think about this all the time because I realized that when I entered this industry 30 plus two years ago, 32 years ago, uh, we, we had an image problem. You know, the perception that I had of a convention and visitors bureau or hospitality was working in a hotel or working in a restaurant. And although there's nothing wrong with either of them, I didn't want to do either. You know, I, but e- even beyond that, it was I didn't want to be a bellman. I didn't want to be a server in a restaurant. And those are admirable jobs. But that's the perception of the industry. So it starts with us really focusing on how diverse um, the opportunities are in hospitality. Um, On the outside, looking in, no one really knows what the DMO does. And I know that. And even within hospitality, there are certain, you know, when I talk to schools of hospitality, it's not on the radar of 90 plus percent of those that are in those classes. So it's really tied to getting folks, the younger generation, to understand how diverse the industry is. It's also tied to getting them to understand that um, if they, you know, there is a lot of diversity within the industry. Unfortunately, it's if you're looking at a pyramid, it's at the lower level. And there are opportunities to, to elevate that and to move um, to, to move the needle in the positive direction. Because what normally happens is that those that are in that started off in the industry are not in the industry five years later because they don't see the opportunities. So we've got to focus on that as well. Get, you know, get them to understand. Uh, and make sure that companies understand what we were just talking about, the importance of having a diverse team, and making sure that folks see opportunities to remain engaged and involved um, within ho- the hospitality industry. And I, th- I think those are steps that are important to take so that folks will understand that you can be an interior designer, an architect, a landscape architect. There's so many different careers that are tied specifically to hospitality. And we just have to work on making sure that the younger leaders understand um, how dynamic this industry is as a whole.
0: Very interesting. It, it does sound like the industry has a bit of an image problem and we need to kind of explain what it is and, and the, you know, the possibilities that there are within the industry. And then uh, hopefully we can have a, a more diverse, but also a, a more inspired workforce and, and young leaders coming in. Absolutely. I want- I wonder if you know, would if, do I, that- if I
1: were to ask my family, I'm sorry. If I, I always joke, if I ask my mom today, you know, ask my mom what I do, she'll say he does something in tourism. And you know, years and years later, but um, you know, there's always everyone wants your your kid to be a doctor or a lawyer. They they can define what those roles are, but hospitality is a little bit more ambiguous. And um, and so we 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 joke about it, but we also recognize that it's a problem.
2: Yeah, I think it's certainly true. When you all parents always want to have their want their kids to have archetypal jobs. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> my dad, my dad always tells his friends similarly that I do something on computers. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very much, it's very much that kind of scenario. I think for a lot of, a lot of different industries that are not, that don't have an immediate point to kind of reference. Um, yep. I wonder if a good, I wonder if a good way to kind of combat that would be to target uh, diversity within sourcing apparatuses and and in doing so kind of communicate the value of the job and the scope of the job and the different you know tiers within a job within hospitality um so for example by like you know posting ads that are quite descriptive for jobs in you know job boards and historically black colleges or something or something like that to kind of put it in front of people, find, you know, it's sort of a fundamental marketing principle. You go, you find the audience where they are already, and then you put the information yeah, where I, they yeah, are. Yeah, that is,
1: that is um, you know, Dylan, a very good point. And it, it has been, there has been levels, there have been levels of success in doing that, but it also has to be tied to making sure that women see women in higher positions. And, um, and, and you know, Asians see Asian in higher positions within the industry because that really helps them to understand and, and it opens their perspective it expands their perspective as to the opportunities in particular fields so by all means you have to be at these universities but if I'm at the university and I say hey there are some great opportunities within the hospitality and I'm not there's not someone there to expand upon it and expound upon what those opportunities are and share their experiences it's not going to be enough because again the perception is, yeah, I don't want to work in a, in a hotel that's open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. Uh, that's, not, that's not for me because they're not thinking along the lines of other positions within that hotel that, that are not even on their radar. So in, anything and everything, but, but really focusing on the industry through a different lens is probably equally as helpful. Hmm.
0: I think that makes sense. It sounds like you want to shift the narrative from a sort of exploitation narrative to an opportunity narrative, and you need leaders. You need people to show the possibilities um, that look like the people that are looking for those jobs, and and I think that's super important.
1: That is exactly right. You know, even IT, as, as we were talking about earlier, and and um, and you know, you name it, every every position in between. You know, kids that are in school for accounting there are great career fields and roles um, in, in companies that own hotels, and, and, but usually they think that Marriott owns all Marriott hotels. I'm like, no, they own probably less than, than 5% of the hotels that have their names. So th- that, that lesson ex- expands their horizons as to what opportunities exist that are not even on their radar.
0: Interesting. Well, Elliot, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really nice to talk to you and, and really uh, inspiring. I think your, your advice is always welcome. Uh, I wanted to end with the question we ask all our guests, which is, uh, can you recommend someone that we should have on the Event Manager podcast uh, who could maybe expand on this topic or any other topic that you think would be important for the audience?
1: You know what? There's a gentleman that um, represents uh, the city of Lexington, Kentucky. His name is Gathan Borden um he um i'm very he's he's a marketing guy uh but he is a he represents a dmo and um, i would i would encourage you all to reach out to him his uh his spelling of his name is g-a-t-h-a-n borden b-o-r-d-e-n
0: okay great recommendation Yep. No, I think it would be great to reach out and we're trying to connect all the podcast guests so that we can have a, a bit of a, a circle of, of influence and kind of connecting in that way. Um, I think it's time to wrap up. Thank you so much for joining us, Elliot. Thank you, everybody who's listening. On behalf of EventMB, uh, this has been the Event Manager Podcast. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Event Manager Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. For the latest news and the best articles on technology and innovation in the event industry, head over to eventmb.com.